Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, I'm Daniela von Arnim, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello, and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players. Brought to you by Bridge Partners and Friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with German champion Daniela von Arnhem about stepping away from the game and coming back again and putting yourself in the shoes of your opponents. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. <laughs> Hi, partner. How are you, Catherine? <laughs> well, I think we're both laughing about the same thing, which was our quite amazingly horrid game, which was, I think, my last night, your this morning. So it's still the same day. You probably haven't recovered from it as much as I have, because I've had a whole night in between to recover from that disaster. But honestly, what is wrong with people? Why don't they alert their bids? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People, alert your bids. If you make a conventional bid, an artificial bid, you need to alert it. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> what about there was that contract? You bid one to Trump and then they bid two spades. No alert. Nothing. No alert. No alert. Fine. So we Fine. think it's spades. The next thing we know, years later, he alerts it as spades. No, no, no. I asked him. I, I asked him. Well, I didn't know that. Well, I asked him because I knew damn well that it was spades and a minor. And I thought, you will tell me. <laughs> you will tell me. And so I asked what the bid meant. And he alerts it as spades. I mean, what gives? Then I, then I sent the, the guy a private message saying, does it also imply a minor? And he waits and waits and waits. I think there'd been at least another round of bidding. Well, his partner bid two no Trump asking yes. for which is his minor. Yes. At which point I'm freaking out because... 
I did kind of a bad thing and I opened with a singleton ace. Well, I love that bit. Don't worry about okay, it. Okay. You love that bit. I didn't love it last night. So now I'm terrified. Like, I'm fine if they want to play it in spades. I'm good. But if they want to play it in diamonds, where I have only a singleton ace, not so happy. And I'm really irritated that they hadn't alerted it back when he bid the two spades to say spades in a minor. <laughs> I know. So I call the director. The director, of course, takes quite a while to get to us. So I, I, I call the director because mm -hmm. I don't know really what I can do at this point. Yeah, what your rights are. Uh, yeah, I want to find out. And of course, there was probably nothing. But it just irritated me beyond belief. These same people who don't alert their bids, and when they alert, they don't give the right alert. They don't give the right explanation. They start chastising us because we <laughs> take great pains to alert our one no Trump responses to one of a major as semi-forcing. Because at some point, somebody told us that they would appreciate if we alerted it as semi-forcing instead of not alerting it. So, so they keep saying to us, when is your one no Trump forcing? And we both keep saying we play it as semi-forcing. We don't play it as forcing. Well, then you don't have to alert it. I mean, it was, I don't know, it was, it was kind of ugly. I feel like we've been getting into a few scraps at the table lately. And I just wonder if people are in a, in a combative frame of mind. You know, normally you and I play and it's relatively genteel and every now and then there's a director call. But it seems to me lately every every new pair that we come across, it's like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah, it, it, it's true. I mean, maybe maybe uh, tempers are flaring. Maybe Maybe it's a tense time. I don't know. Mm. But I find myself getting very angry at opponents for not their brilliant maneuvers and they're outwitting me, which is, of course, also very annoying, but you got to <laughs> hand it to them. That's what the game's all about. No, it's about things like not alerting their bids when they're clearly required to or gloating. And it just <laughs> it just drives me insane. And yeah. then I'm like all wound up. And of course, as we know from all the experts that we talk to, it's a really bad thing for your game to get upset about something that's really nothing that you can do anything about. Well, this is true, though. I will say, Justin, at least, you know, sitting in the comfort of your own home, you can enjoy a nice glass of wine. I can be sitting here making all sorts of gestures at my computer and drinking my coffee. I do recall a few years ago at a club I was playing at, I got really annoyed one day and I had the presence of mind to leave the table. So, you know, between rounds, I went to decompress in the bathroom and it was this small little bathroom off the main playing area and you walked in and there was the vanity area and then there were two stalls beyond that and I was just so hot under the collar I stomped in and the minute the door closed behind me I started like stage whispering to myself all the things that I wanted to say to this person <laughs> and gesticulating to myself in the mirror and then guess what someone popped out oh my god <laughs> somebody was in a stall but it wasn't the partner no no it wasn't them but I did look completely absolutely mad completely oh my mad. god <laughs> well it is a, it is a nice thing at BBO that you can scream bloody murder at your partner and they don't know that that you're doing that <laughs> you'd never do that to me though oh not you no 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 I'm thinking of other partners 
Um, <laughs> no, in particular, I mean, we play, I played a hand recently and I know the opponent very, very well. Mm. And we were in three, no Trump. It was absolutely unmakeable. Yeah. And for some reason, this person's partner did not continue with their suit, which would have set us by like a gazillion, yeah. but instead switched. And the nine tricks came home. And I was just imagining <laughs> this person. I thought I might even be able to hear the screams because she doesn't live <laughs> that far from me. And I thought I might be able to hear the screaming from my house. Were your windows rattling a little bit? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jocelyn, I had a look in our mailbag and we have heard from Michael in Sydney and he raises a question which I think we could ask of ourselves in this current climate and context. So how about I read it to you and we can discuss. Excellent. Dear ladies, I have been playing for two and a half years and I just recently called the director for the first time but it is another incident that has prompted my question to you. Wow. <laughs> two year, two and a half years. <laughs> I live in Sydney and I went to my first bridge holiday quite recently. Then he says, you're probably familiar with the format. There's two one-hour lessons in the morning and then a normal duplicate game in the afternoon. I actually, I'm not familiar with the format, but that sounds very nice. I can think of lots <laughs> of places I would like to do that in. So yes, that sounds lovely. Then he says, at one of the lessons, which was on signals, there was a practice hand. The deck is doctored and if you use the signals that you've been taught to make, then you'll make your contract. And if you do it incorrectly, you won't. One of the opposition players at our table was talking away and then she said something along the lines of, this is really hard, I don't know what to lead. That was fine, but then she took it one step further by turning her cards around and showing them to her partner, asking her partner what to lead. At this point I said to her, come on, you can't do that. And I'm with you, Michael, I feel you, I would have been very unhappy. I would have been Screaming bloody murder. Absolutely. Absolutely. She then told me to shut up, that it was just a lesson. Come on. <laughs> just a lesson, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Over the next couple of days, it became clear that she was the, quote, bluntest tool, unquote, in the room. And we got a lot of good boards from that pair. But then he says, can you please give me your honest opinions? Have I become that guy? <laughs> we are that guy. So we're not, we're really not in a position, Michael, to, to, to help you with this because we completely sympathize and we empathize, Michael. We are that guy too. We are so that guy. So welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. I think we were born that guy. So funny. I, yeah, completely relate. He says, thanks so much for the pod. Cheers, Michael. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's intolerable, completely intolerable. Yes, yes, yes. Completely intolerable. But I love how she's then, you know, telling him where to put, you know. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> God. My God, the, yeah. the naive. The naive. <laughs> yes. Any tips for Michael? Advance to the next level. Maybe you'll find people who aren't quite so ridiculous i don't know you'll be in the company of other guys just like you right right 
you'll be very happy to be in that company. You'll relate. Yeah. I think there's an element where rich people are a bit like that. What do you think, Jocelyn? Oh, yeah. That guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been that guy my entire life. And finally, (laughs) I play bridge and I find all my peeps. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. We're all that guy and gal. If you have any fun stories about fighting at the table or being that guy... (laughs) or really any funny stories, please do send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at sorrypartnerpodcast. Or you can leave us a voice message. These links are in the show notes and on the website along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Daniela Von Arnhem. So Jocelyn, a lot of podcasts would probably have some kind of endorsement or advertising at this spot. Yes, but not us. Not us, not us. (laughs) But we'd love to have some support because it's the two of us toiling away in the dark caves of our office, bringing this merriment to you week after week. (laughs) We've had some great letters from people and we know people are enjoying the show, but really it would be so helpful if people could donate. So how do people become part of the team? Well, the best way is through our Patreon page. It's really easy. If you Google Sorry Partner Podcast Patreon, and that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, you will find the link or you can find the link in our show notes. And where are the show notes? So the show notes are the details about the episode. If you are listening on your phone or your tablet Mm -hmm. or in an app, you just click on the episode and you scroll down and you see more information about the show as well as the links, including the support this show. So we hope to hear from you and then we'll be able to say support for Sorry Partner comes from listeners like you. Yes, that would be wonderful. German champion Daniela von Arnhem is a software engineer and a single mom. You won't find her at the local bridge club. She saves her bridge playing for large international championships and major bridge events. She is a two-time world champion, has placed second three times, was a runner-up in the World Women's Pairs Championships, and took bronze at the Wuhan Cup Mixed World Championship. She has also won many North American bridge championships. We began by asking if she'd had any interesting hands lately. I had a um, really interesting bidding situation recently, which I thought I never had before. So I opened a spade and my partner showed me like a four plus card race with a shortness and less than an opening. So I checked on key cards and found out he had one. So I knew we had all the key cards. I had the queen of spades myself, but to get enough tricks, I thought the easiest to bid seven would be if I asked him for the queen of drums, even so I had it myself. So I made the queen ask and he said he has it, so I could bid seven. So I thought it was just unusual because, I mean, we all had the situation where we would ask for key cards and partner would respond to with a queen where you have the queen yourself and you think, oh, my partner has five. But I actively asked for the fifth card to find out if he has five so we can have enough tricks. 
That's so cool. Yeah. And we made seven. So very good. Very good. Yeah. What do you most love about bridge? I think there are two aspects. I mean, there are a lot of, but the two main aspects for me is that the game itself is really, I think it's really fascinating and you never get bored. I, I mean, I have played such a long time. It's like you never feel like you have learned everything or that you couldn't make a mistake or that you mastered the game itself. So I, I think we will never, how long we play, we will never master the game. And I think that is one thing. And another thing about the game itself is that luck plays an inferior role at bridge. I like that because I'm not the luckiest person when it comes to getting good cards. <laughs> Or throwing the right numbers when you have to roll the dice. So I prefer games where it is about skill and not about luck so much. And the other aspect is the social part of Bridge, because that is very important for me as well. I've met so many fascinating people all over the world and made a lot of really good friends. And I have traveled to nearly all the continents. So I think, I mean, without Bridge, I would never have had the chance to do that. So I really like that too. You said that you have met some really fascinating people. Who is the most interesting or fascinating opponent or person you played against or been at a tournament with? Yeah, I, I played with Sia once. So I guess that, that answers the quick question really quickly. So that was, of course, the most fascinating person I ever played with. What is it about Zia that makes him so fascinating to play with? I mean, <laughs> Zia is like a superstar. So, And I, I know him personally very well. I mean, he's a really, really sweet person and such a charming guy, but he has all this charisma. And if he talks or if he, even the way he pulls his card, I mean, it's all, all special. And of course, at that time, when I played with him, it, it's a long time ago, so I did not know him so well. And he was just a superstar, and he asked me whether I would play with him. So I was really very much flattered and honored and excited. <laughs> Do you have a favorite tournament that you like to play? I would say my most favorite tournaments are probably the Sonal World Championships, the Bermuda Bowl or, or the Venice Cup for the women or like the Wuhan Cup for the mixed now, because I think they are sort of special because not only you have to be elected from your country to play there, but you also have to qualify for your zone, which is for us in Europe, it's a European championship. So you have to be good there. I mean, you have to, nowadays it's like you have to be in the first eight places to qualify for this world championship. And in former days, it used to be, when I started, it was only the first two teams from Europe. And that was in 89, when Germany qualified for the first time for the Venice Cup. It was like Sabine and I, we played in the European Championships for our second time, and we won there. So we qualified for our first Venice Cup. And from that on, we, we qualified for 20 years on every single occasion uh well, there was like 12 venice cups in the row we queued for the for them so that was of course <laughs> something special and for our listeners that would be sabine alkin yes that would be sabine alkin 
How did you learn to play bridge? I have to say, I never really took any bridge classes or so. I, I never had any anyone teaching me bridge. It was more that we played a lot of card games at home, but we did not play bridge. But my mother was a bridge player, not seriously playing bridge. Like she had a weekly social game at home and she was playing in the club once in a while at the local club. So before one of these games, she asked me if I could fill in as the fourth player because one of her friends was sick. So I replied, oh, but I, I, I don't know the game. I have never played bridge. So she handed me like a script she had gotten from a class she took. And because we played card games at home, at least I know what, I mean, how to take a trick. And, you know, I, I knew that honors are good. And there's like a German card game called Skat that's very popular, where you also have a bidding and a play phase. So at least I, I also knew it's it's totally different and very simple, so you cannot compare it with Bridge, but at least I had some idea. So I was reading the script for two days, and then I was thrown into the cold water. And <laughs> I liked the game from the beginning. Of course, the friends of my mother, they were really, really nice to me and encouraged me. So I, I proceeded like reading the script and reading some books about card technique, German books in the beginning. So at some point, I also started to play with my mother at the local club, which was really small, but it was run by a couple who were like under the top players at that time. And they encouraged me to play. So I, I got into the junior scene. So with playing with young people encouraged me even more to really love this game. And is that when it really caught fire for you? Yeah. I, I would say, because then we had this junior camps where um, nationally with, with German juniors, it took me a while to play international. I never played in the international junior scene, but it was this junior camps and where I also met Sabina and we, we were put together as a partnership and that's how it started with our partnership. Who is your current partner? Who are you playing with on a regular basis? Geske Joel. She's a German, but she lives in the States and I play a lot with her. And for like national things, I have a mixed partner. We play in the mixed team, in the German mixed team. So he's a really, really awesome, really good player. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Daniela, I understand that you are a software engineer. Do you think that there is a relationship between the skills you bring as an engineer and your ability to be a good defender? and to know what card to lead. Yes, for sure. Because I, I think with doing software and writing a program, I have to to think the methods, you know, I have to think step for step and also think ahead. What is happening if I'm doing that? And what is happening if I'm doing that? That is with programming. I have to see in advance what happens if it goes that way and that way. And I also think it is with defense. I don't think so much that defense is so much different than declarer play. I mean, you have to envision the cards. As declarer, you have to envision the cards of both opponents. As defender, you have to envision the cards of your partner and of the opponent. So I think it's really important to do that and also to think step by step what could happen if you have that and so on. You mentioned visualization, and we hear very frequently from our listeners about their interest in hearing from our experts about how they visualize. What do they see and how do they keep track of the counting, getting a count on the hand, figuring out the distribution, where the cards are? I know personally, this is my weakest area, and I'm working on it, so I actually have a vested interest in hearing what our expert guests have to say on this very important topic, visualization. First of all, it's two parts. You have to envision the distribution of the cards you don't see, partners and defenders, and you have to find the points. So I I think you have to just get used to think a lot in, in patterns, like the different patterns you can have in bridge. I don't visualize so much in seeing cards or seeing diagrams. I think of, okay, showed, he showed five hearts and four spades, so you have to have three one or two two. So thinking that way and then counting the points and taking into account if the one bit or did not bit, so you can know if, if he did not open, he cannot have the ace anymore because he would have 12 points, so you place the ace with the other one. And because... The pattern are very important. That's why I also think that to give count as a defender is important. Not that I think you have to give count in every situation, but to get the count of your partner's hand helps a lot with defending. And to look at the count the defenders do that helps you with declaring, especially like the early count cards, they are very often very honest. So when you have a problem counting the hand or don't know if you should place one with three and the other with a singleton, you might just think about what count they gave and find out that way how they are distributed. I think that's interesting. So you said you said 
The very first cards they play are the most honest? Mm-hmm. First of all, I mean, the most honest count card is normally the lead. Of course, in the lead, you try to help your partner with the lead the most you can. So if against no trump, say you play force best and you lead the two, and, and you see that as declarer, they lead force best and they let it two, then you know he has four cards. Yeah. So this is normally always an honest card. So you, you I immediately in, in, in the no trump contract know if they lead a very small card or the smallest card I can see that, for example, the, the suit is breaking 4-4. Four, four. And I, I don't have to fear that it is breaking 5-3, so I can play accordingly. And in, in a game contract, when they lead a, a small one and they say they lead certain low, I know he has one, three, or five. It's also so like in the beginning, they normally give more honest count card because they try to help the partner. Whereas when the game proceeds, they think my partner already knows what's going on, so I, I don't have to give honest count anymore. That helps as declarer also to look at the count card. I think because of where I am in terms of my bridge knowledge, I'm never quite sure whether to trust the information from the opponents. But it sounds to me like you do trust it. If, if, their, if their system card says they play fourth best and they lead, you believe that it's fourth best. Is that the best way to think about it, just to trust it and treat that as real information? I think I'm second guessing myself too much. I would trust it because... I think most most people, they play the way they want to help partner and not that they want to mislead opponent because most of all, I mean, not every opponent looks at the card really or take advantage of that. But your partner always needs the information. So I, I would trust the lead most of the time. And in my experience, it is like honest and at least like say 90% or so. What do you think is the most important thing to learn about defense? For the lead, the most important thing is to analyze the bidding. I think if you analyze the bidding of the opponents correctly or you also analyze what partner did or not did, it helps you a lot for the lead. For example, when they make a transfer and partner did not double, I mean, and you are not sure if, if you should lead that suit or not, you probably should not lead it because partner did not double Friends, it's not only of him bidding, but also not bidding or not making a, a bid. And and then for the defense, it is very often when you are not sure whether you should defend the one way or the other, I think you have to put yourself into the uh, declaring place and you should ask yourself, if I would have had that and that, would I really play the way? I mean, that only helps, of course, if you are playing against people who who played quite okay. But then if you say, no, he would never play that way if he had that, then I would play him for the other possibility. So it's really about putting yourself in the shoes of the opponents. Yeah. I think very often because if you say, I I played for that and that, and then I, I say, for example, to my student, but imagine you would have that. Would you really play that way? And then you say no. And then you say, okay, so probably he's not having what you played him for. So sometimes, it, of course, if, if they misplay a hand or so and you don't take advantage of that, but most of the times it, it's, it just helps you to find the right way to defend. You took a big break from your bridge playing career. It was in 2012. Can you tell us about that? Yes, it was right after Sabine and I ended our partnership. 
And at that point, I was really stressed by playing so much. I had a full job at home and I had my daughter at home uh, as a single mother. So I decided that all this traveling is just too much and that I want to spend more time with my daughter, who was at an age which I really think she needed her mother more around. So that was why I, I decided to stop playing bridge. And for me, the only way to do it, that might sound strange, but was to stop it completely. I did not even play online bridge or any social game or so I, I just stopped totally and yeah so it felt the right way and then like it, it was just another life I mean the I, it was a life I always had which I had at home but you know the times the highlights going away and playing bridge and having a total different social life that was missing but it gave me good time and I I'm really happy that I had this time with my daughter so and I did not miss the game so much because I did not play at all. But as soon as I, I started playing again, I I could feel how much I, I have missed the game. And of course, the people, I always had contact with good friends, good bridge friends. But all, all this this atmosphere when you are around at a tournament, I, I really, I missed. So I was happy when I, I came back to bridge. What were the circumstances that brought you back to Bridge? Actually, that was my was Geske, Geske Joel, my my bridge partner. I I play with a lot, especially like at nationals, and she had the idea that we could form a partnership and play in the World Championships together in two, 2018, like in the women's events, and that's what brought me back to Bridge. So you. You knew Geske socially, and she encouraged you to come back to playing? Yes, I knew Geske. Um, of course, I, I met her once. at a. She was not really into bridge so much at that time. She was at a national um took part in San Francisco. So And, and she had heard of two Germans who are playing, so she wanted to meet us. That was Sabine and I. So um, we met and from the beginning, we liked each other. So she then started playing serious bridge and she she also at some points hired us for her team. So we know each other for several years before I quit bridge. And then I always stayed in contact with her. She is from Germany, so she... She liked to play in Berlin, whereas where she has her family, there's once a year there's a German tournament. So she came to Germany and we also, even so I did not play at all, we once played or twice we played in this tournament together. And then she, she ended a partnership with her woman partner and, and she thought maybe we can play together. And it, it turned out we like to play together. So, What is it that you like about playing with her? Oh, she is a lovely person and she is so, she's so working so hard. I mean, I think she is really a great student of the game and she learned the game pretty late in her life, but she's always trying to improve herself and she knows so much system. When she asked me to play with her and I haven't played a long time and with Sabina, I played a totally different system and she handed me her notes and it was like about 140 pages and I thought okay <laughs> I'm, I'm back to bridge yeah. so. 
What's the most challenging aspect of a bridge partnership? I think a good bridge partnership is you have to want the same things. I mean, first of all, it, it starts like in investing about the same time into talking about bidding or um, talking about your agreements. I mean, if, if one really likes to do that and the other one, he likes to play simple methods and don't want to waste too much time for that, I think that would not fit. And then, of course, I think you have to respect each other and I don't think you have to be best friends to be good partnerships, but certainly respect is a very important thing and to be nice to each other. I guess there are people who don't need that, but I would say I really like it if the atmosphere is quiet at the table. And of course, you can talk about hands later and also criticize and should take to get criticized, but in a nice way, not in a rude way. What can be done to get more women playing at the highest echelons of the game? I think the most important thing is, of course, that we play among the best open players also, so um, that we don't have like separate tournaments for open and, and women, because I think it's just more challenging, of course, to play the open events. I think the more um, you play against good players, you also improve yourself. Uh, Yeah, I guess for the women who play um, professional bridge, it would make it easier, of course, also if they would get work, professional work in the open scene. But What do you mean? Do you mean that they're not being hired to play as professionals? They are not being hired to play as professionals in an open team. Oh, I see. I mean, most most sponsors also prefer to play with, with male players and it is more like that the women are, are higher to play in the women's. But the women's scene gets smaller and smaller. So so I, I think one problem is that the women player don't get work, even in the women's events, not because there are no, no um, sponsors for the women events. And that doesn't help, of course, because if you are a professional, you need to play. And so you're, you have to play in women events which get worse and better. I I think compared to the time when I played a lot in the women's field, that they are so much smaller and getting more weaker and weaker. So I think you cannot improve by playing in the women's. Have you encountered much sexism during your bridge playing career? Yes. It is always, of course, if you, um, they, they, um, sometimes give you the feeling, especially when, when we were younger and, and like we always liked to dress up and so and that, that they sort of said we were distracting our male opponents. A little bit I had this. I, I never took that too serious and I don't, don't feel like it was really meant in, in, a, in a bad way. It, it always had this funny tone, but um, yeah, sort of it is. It's kind of annoying because basically it's not saying that you won based on your skill at playing the cards. It's saying that you won because your physical being was uh, somehow an obstacle for your opponents to play their best. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Yeah. When you look at the, that way, it's, it's disgusting, but I, I, I don't know. I always, at that time, I always, always took it more as a joke. You know, when I look at it, Today, I'm. I think there was from some there there was like more truth to it 
than they would admit. Do you mean that it was more sexist than you thought of at the time? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't know. What's something that people might be very surprised to learn about you? Maybe they would be surprised that I'm a really good baker and I love to decorate cakes. What sort of cake is your favorite cake to bake? Oh, I, I like every cake with yeast in it. I mean, we, we do a, a lot, but I, I love cheesecake. I have really, really good cheesecake. I mean, it's a German cheesecake, so it, it tastes different than the American ones, but it's really, really good. Is it a ricotta type of cheesecake? No, it's, it's so special because it's some dairy we only have in Germany. Once I was visiting a friend in Canada and I wanted to bake this cheesecake. So I found um, like Greek yogurt. It's a little bit similar, like in, in German it's called quark. So <laughs> it's, it's, nobody knows it, of course, only in Germany the people know it and in Austria. So I, I made this cake in Canada with Greek yogurt, and it was, was pretty similar to the German one. Is there a particular convention or gadget that you really like to play with your partners? Yeah, I really like optional key card. I mean, a lot use it in the minors. That would be like situations where some people would play minor wood, like four in a minor would be asking for key cards instead of just purely asking for key cards. It would be optional key cards. So partner could use the first step to say, I'm not interested in slam. Like in the picture of the bidding so far, I have a bad hand. Whereas if I would be interested, I was, for example, after four clubs, four diamonds would be, I have no interest and four hearts would be the first step to key card. So it would show one key card, one or four key cards, and I'm interested. So you can't show zero key cards, but I'm interested. I mean, yeah, yeah, yes, of course <laughs> you can show. I mean, it is like, say, say it's four clubs and say you would respond to key card like 14, 30. Okay. The first step being one or four and the second step is zero or three. So over four clubs, four diamonds would show, I don't have a good hand. Yeah. And mm -hmm. four hearts would be, I, I like my hand and I have one or four key cards. For spades would be, I like my hand and I have zero or three key cards and so on. It is just the, the responses, are, responses are one step higher. And the advantage is that over four clubs, if you bid four diamonds and partner says he, he doesn't like your hand and you as key carder want to know the key cards anyway, you just use the next step. So for hard, hard with, I don't care that you don't like your hand, I want to know your key cards. So I think it's it's quite useful thing because you can sometimes you have a hand where you have quite a good hand but if partner doesn't have extras just because we have the right amount of key cards doesn't help to it's not enough for slim so for that it's helpful and with my partner I not only play it in the minors in some situations I would also play it in the majors for in a major would be optional key card but in the way that partner would it's just invitational so he would just pass if he has no interest that he would respond key cards if he has interest. Is there a particular convention that you really don't like or you think is a complete waste of time? I don't like, I would say Gerber. I played that with one of my partners, but so far it never came up. So <laughs> I, I, just, I just feel like <laughs> it's not so useful. 
you are not the only one to mention Gerber. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? The best advice is when you pick up your cards for the next hand, forget about the previous one. I I think this is a very good advice, which I got from Bob Hammond. He was in Munich right before the World Championship in Italy. So I was lucky that he took me with his car from Munich to Salsa Maggiore, where we were playing. So I could ask him. And he said, during the drive, he told me the most important thing is don't think about the last hand. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so lovely to talk to you. It's been so wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I love your show. It was my pleasure and I'm really happy. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Daniela von Arnhem. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Thank you also to our friend, Larry Cohen. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. These links and a link to our merch store are under the episode description in your app or on the website at sorrypartner.com. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Daniela says, when you pick up your hand, forget about the previous one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.